Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. Apologies to everyone. Uh, we took a little bit of a break last week from life, the show. Life just got too much last week. We were busy. Yeah. Everything just caught up on us. Yeah. And slapped us in the face repeatedly. Yeah. You had a you had a hard week at work. Hard week, tough week. And I was just busy being a mother. Yeah. I mean, not just like I, I was busy being a mother because it's not just it's bloody hard work. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and just all got a bit much. So we just didn't get time to record time. the show. Yeah, didn't get time to record the show. Um. And I know we made a conscious effort uh, from the start of the season that we wouldn't take breaks. We would still deliver content on a week by week basis. Uh so yeah, sorry about that. That was uh Yeah, apologies. Life. But you know, life happens, shit happens and we still have to live our day-to-day life. Exactly. Uh, and we do strive to ensure that there is a show every single week and if there isn't, it's due to extreme circumstances and it was an extreme week uh for the both of us. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't put the show out. So apologies for that, but we are here this week. For our 60th episode, the landmarks just keep on coming. The big 6-0. I literally just feel it just did our 50th show. Yes. Like a, a couple of weeks ago. Yes. How have we already done like 10 shows since then? I have no idea because this time doesn't really make sense. The last four months of lockdown haven't really made sense. Yeah. And I don't know if we're still in lockdown or if it's not lockdown anymore. I don't understand because I don't really understand the world anymore. Mm. Uh, so who knows where this time has gone. Yeah, we're living in a kind of like, you know, like a fifth dimension, weird kind of paradox. Yes. And we're just trying to, you know, summarize whether we're living in real time or in the Matrix. I mean, the Matrix has gone bad. So are you Morpheus then? I I should be Morpheus because I'm the kind of the wise, you know, bald headed one. That make me Neo, the super tough one. Super tough Who one. Who is like the chosen one. Well, you know, for the most part, thinking he's a chosen one, thinking he's a chosen one, then realizing he's not the chosen one, and then messing everything up at the end with the most like extreme, ridiculous bollocks, which, which, which is was that, Matrix Is that the Matrix 3? Because yeah. I, I didn't watch it because it was so shit. Yeah, thanks and to it you, was, it? Thanks to you, Neil. It was, it was so shit that I refused to watch it because the second, the second one was really bad. Mm. And I just thought the first one was so perfect. I loved it so much, that first film. Yeah. And then they just did some bollocks for, for some reason. I don't know why. Like years later, yeah. two and three. And so... No. Yeah, that third one, it, they literally took... Ends like half an hour uh, spoiler alert in case you haven't seen it and if you are planning to watch it like wake up it's 2020 and they took almost like half an hour for all the characters well the, the two prime characters to die it was like a proper bollywood you know like bollywood death where they're like lying on the floor and then they've got their loved one above them and then they have a whole like long-winded speech just milking it properly yeah, before milking they it. eventually you know trying to get those film fair and IFA awards basically yeah. in that one time. exactly um so it was like that for the last half an hour they proper bollywoodized that shit yeah terrible two and three so don't watch them if you haven't seen them don't waste you know time. What, you know what's also terrible what so i found out uh this week uh that jojo b is not exactly the mother that i was hoping and expecting what from a wife what do you mean 
so um, the other day I was uh, changing uh, my Bubs' nappies. Um, I well, I kind of drew the short straw in that instance. And, <laughs> I don't even um, remember what you, what you remember. Shut up and let me th- th- tell my story, you know. And so I was like changing them as as I was going along. And he's got this little fascination at the moment that he likes to likes to kiss people on the lips. You know, absolutely fine with with myself and and, and Jojo B. You know, we're his yeah. parents. It's absolutely he's fine. Do. Exactly, he's the love of our life. Um, but obviously, I'm not going to be doing that while I'm changing his soiled nappy <laughs> no um so you know i was i was changing it along um and you know he was trying to give me the the big bucket up uh, smacker on the lips uh and jojo b was was on the side kind of saying daddy will daddy will you know he'll kiss you in a bit he'll kiss you in a bit you just got a dirty nappy he's got a dirty nappy he'll kiss you in a bit he'll give you some dirty kisses in a bit <laughs> and at that point like my poop stained hands couldn't rush to the phone quick enough <laughs> to call social services I didn't on mean Jojo that. B. You know when you're just not really Dirty paying attention? kisses <laughs> Do you know what I was son. doing at the same time? I was trying to sort through the bloody laundry basket. I mean, this is really not very interesting. I was sorting through the laundry basket, right? And so I was just, and he, like, Bubs was whinging and he was like, he only tries to kiss you when he wants to distract you from the fact that you have to do something. So like wash his face or brush his teeth or have a nappy change. So then he'll start hugging you and kissing you and stuff. And that's what he was trying to do. And then he started whinging when he realized it wasn't going to work. And I was like, oh, daddy's going to give you a kiss in a bit. You have to let him change your bum and all this stuff. Change your bum. Change your bum. Just kind of like extract his gluteus maximus and then just find like the replacement ones that we've got locked up in the cupboard. It's so much easier. We could just click the dirty one out (laughs) and click a new one in. But no, I I always say change your bum to him because it's like he just, it makes him less freaked out than when I say change your nappy. You don't think getting dirty kisses from your dad's gonna freak him the fuck out and to the point of like traumatizing to what I was, My God. I was gonna say he'll give you a kiss he's got dirty hands though so he has to wash his hands first and it all just came out wrong yeah wrong is not it's like a it's like when we were at the, understatement That's, it's like when we were at the mandir that time and i was welcoming people and i was saying hari krishna please keep to the left or whatever it was and then i just end up saying hari krishna please yeah yeah Jojo B's had some, um, you know, some of these uh, calamitous catastrophes in the past, but none that could potentially get her arrested uh, and and sectioned for her. Um... Look, yeah, my son is perfectly safe, and it was a, a Freudian, not a Freudian slip. What's it? Just a slip. It was a fucked up slip. Is yeah, what that was. it was just a slip. <laughs> Definitely, it wasn't Freudian. No, it wasn't. It was. Just, I was just tired. But, like I am every single day, yeah. just really tired. Yeah, while I was envisaging, you know, a life as a single parent, um, and you know, putting a restraining order out on you, um, to ensure you don't get anywhere near myself or my young son, um, you know, life kind of find a way of balancing itself out. I guess. Do you know what I love about Twitter at the moment is that people are tweeting things, and I'm like, I thought I was the only person who thought this way. So someone put on Twitter, um. Like, is there an alternate timeline that you're on in Twitter where you're just kind of just doing things that you would do if you weren't a mother and if you were single? Like, what would you what would that person be doing? Mm. The single mother, like child free version of me. And I just kind of made this lovely tweet about what I were doing. And I was like, I'm not the only person that goes on holiday in my mind. Mm. I'm going there right now on holiday. What would I be doing? 
Back to the show Sleeping. at hand. Um, Sleeping. What's been happening this week? Well, coming up this week uh, is the South Asian Heritage Month. Yes. Now, I had absolutely no idea about this event. Um, and all of a sudden, like a week or so ago, I saw Anita Rani on my social media kind of talking about it. Yep. And it was like, whoa, where, where did this come from? How come we didn't know about it? What, what's the scoop? Um, so what is South Asian Heritage Month, Jojo B? It's an initiative that's being launched in the UK for the very first time. I think they have something like this in Canada already. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time it's happening in the UK. Right. And it aims to raise the profile of British South Asian history in the UK just to kind of explain what our connection is to Britain and how, and how our, the two histories kind of marry together, South Asian and British histories, and how we're all part of it now. You mean like the native immigrants? Basically, yes. Um, and... Yeah, they're just going to have loads of events across the month. So it goes, runs from July 17th to... So this Friday? Yep, all the way to August 18th. Awesome. And there's going to be a number of events across across those weeks. And there's loads of kind of opportunity to get involved. There's quizzes, there's panels and all sorts of stuff. Amazing. Um, and yeah, it's it's just, it's really a really lovely thing to see that like for the first time that we are celebrating our presence in this country mm. and not for like a one-off. We had the independence celebrations mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, yep. 70th anniversary of the independence celebrations. And there was lots of stuff about the history around that. And there was mm. lots of you know TV programs about partition and we things like cool that. We were cool again for a little yeah, while. But also people were starting to understand some of the pain that our, Absolutely, you know, the yeah. previous generations had gone through. And so it's, it's really nice to have something that will hopefully be an annual thing now. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Just, just to celebrate our presence in this country. for It might help people understand why we're here. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, the circumstances behind it. And try and kind of improve that relationship mm. with the other communities in this country. And hopefully we'll get to understand our own history a little bit more as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so some of the events, like I've actually got the uh, the calendar here with some of the events that are going to be happening over the course of the next few weeks. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued by Bobby Siegel's Quiz Night. That's on Saturday the 18th. I'm 100% going to be taking part in that. Yeah. Big up Bobby Siegel. It's so weird that we just we just spoke about him on our interview with James Devine Stoneman only a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, and here he is, basically, from... We need to get him on our show. Is he too much of a star, do you think? I mean, I mean we've got some stars already... Uh, you know, on our show previously. So yeah. if anything, he should be clamoring to get onto our show in order to you know, broaden his appeal to the British Asian community. Um, but yeah, shout out to Bobby Siegel. Um, some of the other events, there's a, a, a virtual book club with Dr. Nadra Khan happening as well on the 20th. There is also on the 25th, um, the Masala Writing Workshop, which is what I went on um, a few months ago. Mm. Uh, uh, with the Soul Sutras. Oh, yeah. And it was really, 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 really good. I loved it. I really enjoyed just kind of putting my creative side to the test and just and just doing some free creative writing, basically. Yes. Um, uh, not really thinking about it, no kind of planned structure or anything. You just kind of write freely yep. and see what comes. Um, and I would highly recommend that. Um, and also there's an introduction to music workshop with Janisrani Karunakaran. 
I think that's hopefully how you pronounce that name. Um, and there's a heritage identity and influence in mental health um, discussion with Sarawat Tasneem as well. Yeah, and the colorism, the sibling of racism panel sounds really interesting oh, awesome. on the 27th of July. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, so a number of really, really great events uh, that are going to be happening over the next few weeks for South Asian Heritage Month. Um, you know, there's, there's a few festivals happening now that are kind of celebrating the South Asian community. Um, and obviously, we spoke about alchemy and how you know much we were big fans of it over the last few years when it comes to arts and culture within the South Asian um, diaspora. Mm. And and so it's great that there's now events happening to to celebrate that um, you know across the UK because this is in conjunction with Manchester Museum, isn't it? It is, and in partnership with the British Council as well. So yeah. hopefully, obviously, everything's online this year. Yes. But going forward, hopefully things will start to get better. And we'll, you know, in future years be able to see and go to events. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because we spoke about an Indian Summer Festival a couple of weeks ago that was happening in Leicester. That's actually now been moved to the 10th to the 23rd of August instead of July, as previously stated. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's great that Leicester having this great festival there's a happening in Manchester now uh, with the, the South Asian Heritage Month. Our communities across the whole of the UK, um, it's such a vast ranging, diverse community. Yeah. And it's great that they're all being championed across various parts of the UK. And we can celebrate that collectively, obviously, as well at the same time. Yeah. And with it all being online, it's it, they become national. Yes. And it makes it much easier for us to access them. We don't have to travel anywhere. So, you know, from the comfort of your own homes, get involved. Exactly. And obviously, this is all Muffet. And so it's even better. So, yeah, check out that starting on the 17th for the next month. Some great events to champion the South Asian community. But something else that's South Asian related. A very big book came out a number of years ago called A Suitable Boy. Yes, I've read it. Oh, have you? I have indeed. It was one of the first books I read when I got a Kindle because right. it was really fat and really heavy to carry around in my bag when I was commuting to work. So I yes. never read it. And then when I got my Kindle, I read that. Big up. What did you think of the book itself? I loved it. I loved it. It's really long. Mm. And I got so involved in that world. And there's so many characters in it that you kind of forget where they come <laughs> where they and how, where they go. Mm. But um, they... I just really, like, I really, really enjoyed it. If you ask me what happens in the main plot, I can't tell you much detail anymore. Thanks. But I do remember just really loving reading the book. <laughs> so, I mean, if it still gives me that happy vibe when I think of the, the title of the book, it must have been a good book. Book reviews by Jojo B. I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't remember. I've read so many books. I don't remember the, the plots of every single book that I've ever read. Right. But I just... I remember the ones that I liked reading. Right. Okay. Well, it is by Vikram Seth, and it is now being adapted into a BBC drama miniseries. Uh, and it's going to be directed by Mira Nair. Yeah. So this is going to be starting on the 26th of July. There's going to be six episodes. Um, I know the book itself is quite long, so I don't yeah. know how much they're going to cram in. I'm guessing that episodes. they'll have to lose some of it. Mm. Um, hopefully not too much, though. Yeah. There has been some controversy about this adaptation, though. Oh, pray tell. So Vikram Seth himself chose a writer to adapt this to the screen. Andrew Davis? Yes. Who, as you might have guessed by the name, is white. No. And there's been a lot of wondering why couldn't there have been 
a South Asian writer who could mm. have done it and may potentially have done it a bit more um, authentically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to give them an opportunity because South Asian TV screenwriters don't really get much opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And off the back of things like I May Destroy You, which has kind of taken over the whole world recently and just everyone's loving it because Brilliant. it was so beautifully done by Michaela Cole. There's this kind of like, well, why can't we encourage more of that? Why can't we have more diverse writers getting their stuff onto TV? Mm. And and so, yes, there's lots of conversation on Twitter about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he chose the writer himself. Yeah, so well, you exactly. can't it's... really say too much. But then a lot of people are saying, well, if he could have been the lead, because he's very experienced in doing this kind of thing, why couldn't he have had a team of slightly more junior writers hmm. working with him who came from an Asian background? Yeah. Potentially, maybe that should have been something that they should have thought of. Yeah, but yeah I agree. But um, I think with a, with a director like Mira, I think that you probably are in safe hands exactly um and and with a cast obviously that includes people like taboo uh as the lead actress taboo what did i say taboo 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 is it taboo yeah i've always said taboo no but you just said taboo i taboo no i said taboo (laughs) I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to like stop this to listen back on it and stuff. I'm sure I said taboo. You said taboo. But it's taboo. All right. That's how we say it anyway. Well, I've said taboo. But then you guys say like Amita Bachchan when it's Amita Bachchan. I don't really say his name that often, so it's fine. Well, I want to say a big get well soon to Amita Bachchan while we're here and his family who recently got... Uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. I do not wish ill on anyone. So yes, get well soon. Unlike some, obviously, who do wish ill on yeah. others. Not well like me. No names will be mentioned. Right. But get well soon, Mr. Butchin. Well, he is my idol. And so a massive get well soon to him and his family. Hope they recover very, very soon. But getting back to a suitable boy, um, the rest of the cast include people like Ishan Qatar. Tanya Maniktala, Rasika Dugal, and Ram Kapoor. So I think that there's some newcomers there um, and giving them a chance to shine in a BBC production, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where we can only pass judgment on it once we've actually seen it and watched it. Um, My only... So I don't know any of those actors and maybe I should do a bit more research on them. But I wonder, is it going to be a bunch of British actors putting on accents or is it going to be actors from India? Uh, well, Ishan Qatar's from India, okay. um, as is uh, Rasika Dugal. Okay. Um, I'm assuming the rest are as well. Okay, fine. So, so then, because, uh, yeah, I just, I always find it a bit strange when you have a bunch of, in like, British actors, yeah. British Indian actors or Asian actors, putting on that accent. Mm. Well, that was one of those criticisms from the trailer that just came out recently, that it was, like, too accent heavy in terms of like exaggerating that but but no, i mean if you're from there and that's how you speak then that's how you speak isn't it? so yeah exactly and also remember i suppose that now in even in india like my cousins all have this weird american lilt to their accent mm. when they speak english yeah so there was none of that before yeah and so it will be toned down a little bit that kind of americanization of their english will be toned down a little bit yeah um yeah let's see let's yeah, see like said, it deserves I've... to be beautifully made Fingers crossed it does. Um, I've seen enough trailers in the past number of years 
which have heavily missold the eventual film that got released in the cinemas. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I tend not to buy in too much to how good a trailer is. I'd rather just watch the production for myself and then yeah. let people know accordingly. Yeah, I think people should give it a chance. I hate this whole kind of, oh, I'm just going to cancel this right now because I just don't like this trailer and I just don't like the idea or the notion of it. Like, just give it a chance. Yeah. Read the book if you get a chance mm. because the book is brilliant and also I think will kind of give you a better understanding of why things are the way they are maybe mm. as well Yeah. Um, within the production. Good luck trying to finish it before the 26th, though. Yeah, well, yes, um, unless you're like a super speed reader. But I think just just give it a go. Exactly. Like, um, try things out. Yeah. Chill out. It's not, you know, it's not like your stereotypical TV production that involves uh, South Asian content, which is like terrorism related or forced marriage related, you know. And yes, look, the thing is, right, the... I think the trailer makes it really obvious that this is about this is about a girl who is being kind of encouraged to go into an arranged marriage. Now that is the central point of the book. Like that's where it is. That's where that's the, the main crux. Yeah, that's the crux of the book. But there is so much more that goes on. Mm. In terms of social commentary, mm. um, there's things about history in there. Just it just there's a lot more context to it than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you can't just be like oh i'm just gonna not watch this because it's another thing about arranged marriage if you haven't read the book then at least go and read the synopsis <laughs> <laughs> that's all i would say oh dear i might not do any of that and just watch the production and just judge for yourselves yeah okay you can do that instead <laughs> yeah don't read the book but just read everything else about it though from the tv guide it's like when i was in school and we had to do romeo and juliet and even though we were reading it none of us could really be bothered to take it all in so our teacher just took us to watch the baz Luhrmann version at the cinema <laughs> well, they, yeah exactly <laughs> like, it was the year it came out and he's like let's just go and watch it so yeah. that's what we did yeah it may, it may be easier but yeah it'd be just great to see uh, more content with um south a based around south asians on tv and hopefully a suitable boy does Give it justice. No one can see you fucking nod. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Listen, yeah, I'm tired. And I was just acknowledging what you said. I always nod and, and kind of, you know. Nodding on the podcast. <laughs> what messages, like how, okay, forget it. In the second half of this show, we're going to be discussing married... <laughs> To the family, uh, what are the expectations? And should there even be any? To you on the other side, people. Should you even get married? the second half of the native immigrants i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and on this half of the show our topic has been inspired by a recent tweet that uh, jojo b cared to share with me while we were sitting down having dinner uh, watching some garbage tv yeah care to share it now jojo b yeah it kind of popped out at me on my timeline uh so someone said and i won't give their handle mm. but someone said the following brown men 
I want a spouse who's family orientated. Girl. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm super close with my family and I want to care for my parents when they're older. Brown men. Oh, wait. No, not like that. Hmm. It's interesting. Very interesting. The whole married to the family dynamic. Yeah, and for a woman being married into a family and leaving her family. Yeah. To never return. <laughs> That's it. Cut ties. You no longer do anything for them. Yeah. You're no part of that family, except as a guest. Yeah. Change your surname, whole new name, whole new identity. It's like witness protection and shit, isn't it? Mate, let's not get into the changing the name thing. Yeah, that was a whole, <laughs> that could be a whole topic in itself for a future yeah. show. Uh, but yeah, I get married to, yeah, obviously our culture and our communities are very family oriented. It's one of the things I actually love about our culture mm-hmm. in comparison to a lot of the other communities around the UK. Um, we are very close knit in terms of our dynamic as a family, our extended family. You know, our weddings are all like 400 people. It's like, every, you know, everyone as close as family most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's when you do get married and you do meet somebody new and, and you know, whether it's as a, you know, normal couple would meet every, you know, every day or it's through the introduction way of doing things, you know, or the shadi.com way of doing things. Or, yeah. I don't, we can throw arranged marriage in that hat. Tinder and all of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Grinder. Why not? Right. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And so, you know, when this happens, you meet these people, get to know one another, um, court, or however, however you want to, however the kids call it these days, dates date and stuff. Um, see but, each other. Yeah, exactly. You know, just see how it goes. Like us, we just thought we'd see how it goes. Yeah, we were seeing each other. And now look where we are. But I think also what becomes part and parcel of that process hmm. will be the meeting of the families. And obviously all everyone does that and stuff, you know, at some point in time, any any in any walk of life. Yeah. But there is a, a much wider factor when it comes to the families and meeting the families and the families meeting each other. Mm. And then you almost having to find yourself in a sort of or a frame of mind in terms of the compatibility with the family because in our culture you chances are you're going to be quite you know connected to these people all the time going forward for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and so then it becomes a much bigger thing where you're not just marrying the individual you're actually you are actually marrying like into the whole family dynamic. You're married to the mob. Literally, in in the case of our communities. Uh, and so, yeah, it, you almost, it's, it's different. I kind of feel with an everyday couple just getting together, you know, get, getting married and just living their own life. And, you know, every now and then you'll have the family, you know, meet up with you, link up and stuff and socialize and that's it. But with us, it's very much like ingrained uh, in terms of how connected we all are. By everyday, you mean white versus us as an Asian? No, yeah, maybe. Well, not just, I don't know, like it could be any community, I guess, in the UK. You know, I know our community and how close we are as a family. And so you are almost marrying into the family. And with that, obviously, there comes lots of 
like, you know, those kind of tendencies. Dynamics change within a family Mm. when marriage happens. Yes. And uh, adjustments have to be made on all sides. Mm. You know, Um, but it's so this tweet is about the fact there's this idea that a girl will get married, a woman will get married Mm. and leave her family and join another family but the guy's side don't really change they just welcome somebody else in they there's no notion of their son the groom having joined another family as well like that notion doesn't really obviously it's happened but it doesn't it's not really like thought of Mm. and it's not really a thing that we need to be worried about or concerned about that the son-in-law exists you know like mm. the son-in-law is will you know worship at his feet right and the daughter-in-law will come into the family and be a member of the family and have to do what the other women in the family have to do right does that make sense so like the son-in-law will come to will you know visit the his wife's parents house and be a guest she will not, but the bride will not be a guest in the house that she marries into. Mm. She is a member of that family who does what all the other women in the family do. Yeah. yeah. Which in the traditional sense, in the old school sense, was the cooking and the cleaning mm-hmm. and the taking care of the men. Yeah. It's that, it's that, that we've all like my generation, our generation in, in any way have been brought up with that, whether we believed it or not. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, sensibility yeah yeah, that mindset is ingrained in us yeah yeah. this has been ingrained into our parents and their generation before and the generation before it comes down through all the generations to this thing and my mom used to say it to me she goes you know but you're gonna go you have to learn how to cook and you need to learn how to look after a house and you need to manage your personality people used to say to me like because like you know what i'm like you know what the real me is like and mm. i'm kind of i can be a bit moody sometimes i want to be left no alone shit. <laughs> no but sometimes i want to be left alone just le- and my family know what i'm like and and sometimes i'm you know fun me who wants to be involved in everything it just depends yeah. and my family understand that if I used to go and sit in my room, close the door and just be quiet and read a book or whatever, it's because she just needs her own time. You understand that. Now, for, and I'm not saying that your family don't, but for instance, for a woman to be that way and then marry into a family, she doesn't, she then loses the right to be like that. That is the way, if you carry on with this way of thinking, Mm. you don't then have the right to be yourself you have to be the way the family is. So if the family don't want you to be that way, you don't get to be that way. And I've got I've got aunties whose names have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That name, you know, it's already an auntie who has that name. So you new daughter-in-law, you don't get to keep that name. Yeah, so we'll just change it. Fucking crazy. You know, or this doesn't we don't like that name. We're just gonna change it. Hmm. In fact, people said to you when we got married, did you change she said to your mom, did you change her name to sound more Gujarati because her name is Jyoti? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mum was like, what? Like your mum? She yeah. was like, you what? No, of course I didn't make her change her name. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. her name. I never even knew this was an actual thing until I met like, you know, members of, of your family where, you know, they would say this person's this name. And then I'd hear afterwards, you know, that's actually not her actual name. Her actual name is like so and so. I'm like, why, the, why would that even be changed? I mean, it's not happened that much in this country so much, but in India, definitely. Like yeah, I've got a couple of mum, I've got a couple of mummies whose names have been changed. 
well, what can you do? Yeah. You know, that was a different generation and they just dealt with it. It is what it is. But I think that that mentality, like, so when we got married and I went back to my mom and dad's house afterwards, because that's what we do. You know, Punjabi, you get married and then usually it's a day after, but we went back like, I think like a a month after or something we went back we made a trip to Newcastle yeah, yeah, yeah. my mum was like no you're not allowed to do anything you know because I just went in the kitchen and started tidying up and like washing dishes like I always would have done and she's like no 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 you can't you can't do this stuff you're a guest in our house now and I was like I just looked at my mum I was like you dare say that to me ever again <laughs> how can you tell me like a month ago I was here and I was washing dishes and now I'm not allowed to come here and make a cup of tea for myself like yeah. what are you on I don't think so and so I was like, if I want to get a glass of pani for myself, I will get a glass of pani for myself. Mm. And so then she um, she slowly came around to the idea that that wasn't going to be the case. And also because as ever, they just rely on me to do stuff. So. Well, that's the thing. It's like it kind of went into the other end of the spectrum from my perspective in that they don't even see you as a married girl anymore. It's like you're you're just the daughter when you go back and you're doing all the bits and pieces for them. And, and, and I'm like kind of like the the spare wheel on the side of the room basically sitting there on my phone like kind of uh, yeah so um you know they're all having their own conversations amongst them obviously and i'm kind of like okay yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's gone from like the you know the oh you know we have to kind of trade around eggshells because now you're a married woman and stuff to like you know now you're just like the daughter in the house and that i always was that you always were before but like i'm almost like the you know abandoned in the corner kind of son-in-law that no one gives a shit about oh whatever so i think they always had in their idea like but you're gonna get married and we're gonna let you go yeah but then actually when it comes down to it that's hard to do you if you love your child Mm. to just let them go is a difficult concept and i'm very close to my parents and i'm the youngest and so i was the last one to go (laughs) do you know what i mean and and i think it's 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 a hard concept for them to actually follow through on. Mm. So I, and I said to my mom, I was like, all these years you told me, like I was living in London, but you kept doing my head about you have to get married. You're too much of a, you know, a, a kind of burden on us. The the idea of us worrying about you all the time is too much for us. If you get married, we don't have to worry about you anymore. And all this stuff. <laughs> You're somebody else's burden now. Yeah. And then I got married and then they were like, oh, no, we still like worrying about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we still need you to come and do the things that you always did for us, like fill out forms and all that other stuff. And so I've had to carry on doing it. And to be honest, like that's not a problem for me because I always did it. And so I'll carry on doing it because they're my parents. They don't yeah. stop being my parents. And with you, it shows you, I think, how comfortable they are with you because they you're not a spare wheel. But what they do is they treat me the same as they did always did yeah in front of you so they don't feel like they have to put on airs and graces in front no, of no, you I, I, which I is really nice i appreciate the the comfortability factor obviously i did um, get told off by my dad for getting for asking you to hoover up one day when i was at home because i was tidying up and i was like oh, can you do me a favor and hoover while i change a nappy or something mm. and then my dad told me off and was like never ask him to do anything like that again in our house and then you still kept asking me to do it so you clearly don't abide by your parents wishes uh, is all I can say. Um, yeah, but I ended up having to do the Hoover because my dad told me off. Well, good. Know your role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really interesting. There there was definitely um, you know uh, massive differences to the way 
a son-in-law is treated and the way a, a daughter-in-law is treated um you know in their respective households uh dynamics obviously do change but uh to the point where there's such a massive divide between the two the way both of those are handled um you know i know i know from my perspective i guess it's it's always been difficult for me to um almost want to be accepted as a son in somebody else's house hmm. i've always kind of felt that there's still a massive difference in the way a son and a son-in-law should be treated or the way they should conduct themselves with their respective in-laws now um you know people i've had this argument with a few people and stuff in the past where they're like no once once you're married into the house they should accept you as a son accept you as a as a daughter no and i f- i feel there's there's things and there's ways in which you can talk to your parents that you shouldn't do with your in-laws yes there was a there was a there's always a respectability factor in it and as much as you respect your parents you can kind of talk to your parents quite freely they know you and they love you they they made you they conceived you and they have this unconditional love for you i mean hopefully not everybody has a great relationship with their parents but generally speaking yeah like your parents love you unconditionally yeah now the love of an in-law is conditional mm, exactly because it is conditional on the fact that you and your partner stay together and you make each other happy exactly yeah and if that's not the case if you're making your um, your partner unhappy you're making their child unhappy and they can see that why would they love you exactly i've i've heard people t- say to me that oh my mother-in-law loves me like a daughter and i'm like <laughs> like that's all great and well but you know if if the shit hits the fan like you're the first person that they're going to kick to the curb yeah you know? it, your mom said to me i love you know you're like my daughter now i never had any daughters and you're like my daughter yeah and i love that she will say that but i know and i'll never say anything to her about this but i know my boundaries yeah exactly i know what i can and can't say i know how i can and can't conduct myself I'm a lot more open now than I was maybe when we first got married and so I'll say I'll speak my mind a little bit more than I used to. Yeah. But I know when to shut up. And I will not you know, sometimes I've gotten into arguments with my parents and I've crossed the line and I've been disrespectful. I cannot do that with your family and I know that. Because if I do that, like my parents let go of it. You know, because they love me and they're well, these things happen, you know, in the end they kind of get over it. Yeah. They might remember it, but they won't hold on to it and hate me for it. But and I've seen this happen in other families where someone's crossed the line and then they might say everything's fine, but it festers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it just turns into bad blood. Hmm. And and so I'm really, really wary of things like that. And so I try and keep my mouth shut and I've said this to people that I've got married as well to friends and to family who girls who've got married I said just watch how you conduct yourself never get too comfortable yeah exactly because it's very easy to fall into that trap as well because in the especially in the first few years of marriage when you know everything's new and it's kind of like it's it's everyone's trying to basically not size each other out but there is a massive like welcoming process from both sides mm. where they're trying to make the other party feel really comfortable in this in this new environment it's a massive change in all dynamics within the family especially yeah. if a girl is moving into that household 
you know, the in terms of the accommodation with it from, you know, from all members of the family and stuff. It's all, everything's really heightened to like, oh, you're new to the family. Welcome. We're going to make everything amazing for you, etc. But as much as there's a honeymoon period in the marriage, there's also the same when it comes to marrying into the family. Absolutely. And so... And it's usually a lot shorter. It is usually a lot shorter. And so... You know, things can always be like, you know, said and, and uh, you know, the way you talk, you know, that over comfortability factor also becomes an issue when you start to feel like you can talk to, you know, members of the family, in-laws, parents-in-laws in a certain way. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, there is a massive, there's a thin line between being a being a, a a child of the house and then being like a a daughter or a son-in-law in the house. Yeah, and this applies to also if a son-in-law moves in with his his wife's family. Yeah. It's the same thing. Don't think that just because you're a guy you get to be really comfortable and you can say and do what you want. Yeah. No, the same rules apply. It's if you are marrying into a family in the same way that if you were a lodger in someone's house and it's a slightly different dynamic, obviously, because it's a lot more permanent, hopefully, if you're marrying into a family. Yeah. But it's the same thing that like you respect the 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 house that you live within. Yeah, there'll be rules that will be different to how to what you were used to. Yeah, And there'll be, you know, just ways of doing things that are slightly different. Yeah. And so you have to learn and respect those. Yeah. If there's something that you don't think works. You can suggest a change, but don't be, but don't be surprised or disappointed or hurt if that change doesn't happen, is not taken on board, is not liked. Yeah, there's definitely two sides to that. Um, I've seen a, a number of instances where um, a daughter or a son-in-law has come into a household and changed the dynamic so much more for the better, for mm. the positive. Yeah. You know, there was things, you know, potential ways in which, you know, that families were handling themselves previously. Um, and, you know, a, a, a daughter or a son-in-law, daughter-in-law or son-in-law that's come into that house and completely changed it for the better. And it's so much more of a harmonious environment yeah. because of the influence of that one factor. Calming effect. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not just calming, but just the the, the positive nature that that brings, yeah. um, you know, has had a, a wholehearted impact in the whole of the family and the way they've conducted themselves going forward. Yeah. You know, so there are, there's so many instances of that as well at the same yeah. time. But that comes with you know the you know getting to know each other being in a place where you know you can work together to to progress things as a household um and you you have like things that you click off each other to make things work and and that's a sign of a of a great you know family you know dynamic and that's mutual respect there as well that's not the respect just going all one way yeah now to be fair, if you want to be respected when you go into a family, and I've said this before to some people that I know that haven't been conducting themselves the way they should have been. Um, I've always said, well, what have you done to earn that respect? Because respect is earned. Yeah, of course. So you have to earn it. In mm. the same way that they have to earn yours, you need to earn theirs. Yeah. And so you need to go in there with the kind of open mindset, I think, of like, this is how it is. I'm just going to learn. I'm going to learn while I'm in this situation. I'm going to learn yeah. how this family is. Yeah. Because you never know. We never get to live with the family before marriage. We never get to live with our partner before marriage. Very rarely anyway. Like, you know, it's changing slightly now. But, yeah, yeah. you know, the old days, it wasn't that way. And so 
it's all new. Everything is new. You're new. They're new. It's all very kind of like everyone's going to be tiptoeing around each other at first. But then slowly, slowly, as the honeymoon period wears off, yeah, everyone starts kind of reverting back to the way they like to do things. And so you just, I think, I feel like sometimes you just have to observe. Yeah, yeah. And then also explain, like, for instance, if I'm the type of person where I get a bit moody or I feel a little bit like I just need space and because I had lived on my own for 10 years before we got married as well so I'd gone from my family's house to living on my own yeah or with with like flatmates or whatever and then moving into your house with your family (laughs) and I was like I can't even live with my own family after 10 years never mind anybody else's family yeah so you kind of just have to explain like what your personality is and I did I had that chat with your mom and I was like sometimes I'm just a bit quiet and if i don't think that that's because i'm angry about anything or upset about anything it's just because i'm tired after a long day of work and i just want to zone out yeah and you know she listened obviously (laughs) your mom is just so lovely and maternal and mothering that she wants to make sure that everything's okay yeah of of course and that's just her nature and that's like it's not it's not overbearing it's just comforting yeah but I'm the kind of person that sometimes is just like, yeah, just exactly. But that's back. yeah. But you know, that's the thing. In a, in a different household, you'd have been like, oh, that's the moody one. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're the one. That's the one. You know, of our daughter-in-laws that just keeps herself to herself uh, and doesn't really interact and mix with the rest of the family. But that's the thing. I do. So if if other people are around, especially if guests come to the house, I would never be that person. I was brought up to never just go and sit in my room I was never that child I was always I'm always around Mm. and I will do the things that I should be doing you know and helping out like your mom is the only woman in your household and you know like (laughs) your the 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 thinking in your household is very much like the men do this and the women do this except the only woman there is your mom (laughs) you know and lopsided yeah and so you guys had to help you know, like you, you and your brothers have to help because your mom can only do so much. But I knew that like if if you guys are helping, I'm going to be helping. I'm going to be sitting there like a queen or, you know, just being a moody bitch upstairs. So I, I, I understand that I have to do, I have to, even if I don't feel like it on some days when things are, there's certain situations, I have to put that aside mm. and you do what you have to do because that's what I had to do in my own house as well. My mom and dad's house, that's what was expected of me. Yeah. And my mom always said to me, she goes, whatever I teach you in this house, the way that I teach you to be, you make sure you take that into the house that you go into because I'm only teaching you good things. If mm. I hear anything bad from about you from your in-laws about your conduct, then you'll have then I'll have words with you. My mom was that kind of mom. You do get the kind of moms that are like my child will never do anything wrong. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, and course. my mom's like, no, if I hear but she used to do this in my school school um parents' evenings as well. What's she done wrong? Tell me. Tell yeah, me what's yeah. wrong with her. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what something good. No, that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> Give her some shit. So. But you know, like, I think it's about if you're gonna show if you show your parents respect, then you show your in-laws respect. I yeah. understand that. But then, like I said, it has to go the other way as well. That you, the family should be showing the girl respect as well, or the guy respect, and in, in terms of wanting to understand how they are and who they are and what their personality is like, mm-hmm. and not just being like, oh well, they're really moody, or they're always out. If you're a sociable person, you're a sociable person. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. So, 
I think it has to go two ways. It has to go both ways. But then, like, or you have the option of moving out. Hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. is a whole other controversy within, for some people anyway, within our community. The idea of the children moving out and getting their own place. I don't, I don't think that's controversial at all. Now I think now there's it like predominantly most of the people we know have have you know don't live with the parents but know? it still hurts the parents in a little way they'll like they'll be like my parents or your parents or they're just like go please leave you know and they don't want us to live with them because they want us to fend for ourselves which is i think the right thing mm. but there's still that little bit of them like oh wouldn't it have been nice if you could have lived with us <laughs> you know yeah. but they just know it's not possible mm. it's not possible because and i think we found this and our like when we first got married and we were living at yours we we had like our, the bedroom, which is your old bedroom. Yeah. And that was it. That was our only space. Mm. And, you know, like we couldn't be ourselves very much because we always had to kind of. So it's about, it's, it's weird. It's so like towing the line between, you know, just a few weeks be- before this, it, we were in a, a household where it was just me, my brother and my parents. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now it's like, um, you know, you're now a part of the family and a random Punjabi woman live in the (laughs) exactly yeah and so you're trying you're still trying to almost like play the role of the son in the house but now you're also a husband husband in the house Mm. and then you've also got a relation a new relationship well it's not a new relationship but newly married way of looking at things well it's like starting all over again isn't it because you never really know anybody until you live with them yeah exactly and we didn't live together and so we had to re- get to know each other yeah exactly (laughs) like the way that you are at home is very different to how we we used to be when we were out exactly yeah or if you know you popped around to my flat it was it wasn't the same Mm. and so i had to get to know how you are with your family yeah yeah which it turned out was a very different person (laughs) yeah and that was really difficult for me yeah yeah it's and, and very difficult for me because i'm you know i'm trying to make things work with my new wife uh, at the same time as, you know, still trying to retain being a son in the household as well at the same time. Um, and so that was a very difficult period transitionally for me. Um, and I think for the sake of our marriage, the the best thing we did was to move out because it, it enabled me to not only like work on our marriage um, and and realize basically that you know we almost need to start that whole process again about getting to know each other as a couple living mm-hmm. together yeah um but it also enabled me to have a better relationship i guess with my my parents as well because now um i'm you know we're not in each other's pockets and you cherish that time more with them when we see each other like once a week once every couple of weeks um because you know being in a household where there's now adults and trying to function amongst each other as as grown people rather than as kids and parents is yeah, very and exactly. different. And when I moved in there, I felt like I had become another child in that house rather than going there as your wife. Yeah. I was there as another child. So I was like the daughter that they had adopted rather than the daughter-in-law that their son had... They had, inherited. Yeah, yeah that their son had married and and... And then we were living there all as adults. We weren't. And I found that really hard because, again, as I said, I couldn't, I hadn't even been living with my own family for 10 years. So mm. 
it was difficult for me to go back to being the child in the house again. Yeah. And it was really hard for us to have a conversation or do the things that newlyweds do when your parents were downstairs from us, <laughs> yeah. you know, like their rooms were directly below us. So yeah, the whole yeah. family was below us. And I was like, that's, like, it was really difficult for me to feel comfortable with that. And yet at the same time, you want to do all of that because you're newlywed and you're you're in love and it's all I always like, find that really weird because so many people live with their live with still live with their parents you know like as 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 couples and stuff still living with their parents and i've always it's i don't know i've always just found that like what the having sex bit yeah yeah well it's kind of like you just you just make it happen i guess just isn't it? be quiet i suppose yeah yeah, <laughs> but, yeah you know each, each sort of one. but that's the thing like so like what is the expectations what are the expectations there shouldn't be any but there always is from from both sides, from you know someone that's a son-in-law, or daughter-in-law marrying into another family, and then from the other side, for you know respective parents, for you know the the new son-in-law, the new daughter-in-law. I know there's a lot of expectations for a daughter-in-law coming into the household, um, and are we living in an age now where you know we're talking about our generation and um, how we were almost fed with that? I guess. I can say it from my perspective, but more so from yours, from, you know, fed from a very early age about getting married and, and like how you are and how you conduct yourself yeah. into your future in-laws house. Yeah. Um, are we living in a time now where that's finally or slowly starting to subside or is that, is that uh, mindset still very much, you know, valid today? I think people like the idea of it being, of it subsiding. But I don't think it has. I think because the I mean the notion of it, of of me leaving my parents behind and never going back there. Mm. I think most people realise that that's not a realistic thing. Yeah. And um, a lot of that came from like I don't know about in Gujarat, but in Punjab, you know, like we marry out out of our villages. We married in other villages. Sometimes it can take. If you go by the old days without the cars and stuff, you go on a tanga or something, it's going to take you ages to get there, sometimes days yeah. to get somewhere. So, because um, Punjab was, was quite a big state. Um, and so you realistically wouldn't see your family very often. Mm. Now, I, yes, I live 300 miles away from my family, but because of public transport and things I can get there and it doesn't take me that long and so the expectation of me and because of modern technology I can talk to them every day and so I will not I will not be giving them up and I think that's a unre it would have been an unreasonable expectation mm. of me to not contact my family because I'm supposed to be submerged and into a new family mm. and so I can't have any I mean I came I came from somewhere yeah of course and you can't ever give that up um, I might have changed my name, for instance. Yep. But it doesn't stop me being a pe member of that family. Yeah, of course, of course. Although, to be fair, many members of my extended family probably do think it does mean that. <laughs> um, but then I guess you also get like the the kinds of sons in and the daughter in laws um, that spend all their time still with their, you know, with their not with their given family rather than their, their in laws, and so. The majority of the time they're you know they're they're staying around to their parents like five days of the week and then popping back in the weekend kind of thing uh yeah. it's about balance isn't it it's about 
it's about kind of you've got two fam two families now and you have to balance that yeah so in london i i see your family all the time hmm. or what i would classes all the time being once a week right whereas i see my family maybe two three times a year now yeah I might go there for two, three weeks, but still, it's not that often. Um, and so I feel like I have to, I sometimes I feel like the the balance is like, it's off because I'm here and I'm I'm close to your family, whether I see them or not. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really far from my family, but we kind of make it work. You know, we do that. I do, we call and all that kind of stuff. And I think it can be hard to try and find that balance, especially if you live far. And if you live close, hmm. like if, you know, your parents are 10 minutes from us. If my parents are 10 minutes in the other direction, yeah. I don't know how that balance would be. This is what I'm saying. You'd be I, a if you're I think you'd be a totally different Jojo B, if I'm honest. Potentially. But then, you know, I would probably never have left home. And so I would definitely be a different type of person. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. This is what this is what I'm saying when I'm talking about the expectations and what people expect um, and how much things like proximity can affect the dynamic and being how much of a factor in your ear sometimes your parents are um, with things that are happening in your in-laws house. Yeah. You know, that can also be a very, very dangerous thing because, you know, like there's a certain way where people conduct, conduct themselves and, you know, the way you talk with your, with your mum or your dad and stuff and, and, you know, they can also have a, an, an influence and a factor on how you are in, in, in this household in a positive way, but a lot of the times in a negative way as well. And that can also create conflict, yep. not only within your in-laws, but within your marriage itself. And so, you know, about being very, very closely connected to your family is very, very important. But there also has to be a slight sense of detachment as well i feel once you do get married there has to be a element of you that's almost like now i'm going to walk with my own two feet and a lot of the decision making and things has to be within the two people as a couple rather than the outside factors and, and a lot of the time that could be your own parents as well yeah i think i i agree with that i've seen that my mom can be very protective Mm. and um she's a leo in it so she can be very protective and so there was times that when i was pregnant i was really ill and she was just like right just have your baby in newcastle yes remember that and rubbed that, me up the wrong way i know and you got really pissed off about that and it was because i'd been so ill and so she was just really worried about me and she didn't and she like she didn't like the helplessness of being so far away yeah. and so she was like just come here and i'll take care of you know you and the baby and it was, I, and, and that's when I had to say to my mom, mom, like, I mean, that I cannot do that. How can I not have my baby near my husband? And it's not, there's not, like, I'm being looked after here. Yeah. Your mom was looking after me. Yeah. And so I was like, you don't need to worry about me and you don't need to worry about that. I'm 100% not going to come to Newcastle and have the baby. <laughs> yeah. If you want to come and look after me, you'll have to come down to my house. Yeah, yeah, of to my home, and and she was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. normally, like, if it had been any other situation, if I'd been on my own and I had, you know, broken a leg or something, then I would have gone home. Yeah. But this was a different situation altogether, and I have my own home. 
Yeah, and I think also that was that was a, there was almost a sense of like um, you know slight acceptance as well, like that uh, you are our daughter, but now you're more a wife and more a mother than than you are in terms of like you know before the the priorities and stuff and the way the 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 hierarchy was always daughter and then maybe wife and then like whatever. Yeah. Now I think it's like your role now is predominantly as as a wife and mother yeah you know and you know like that there is that sort of like when i talk about a sense of detachment there is a slight sense of like your priorities always going to be focused now on on your child yeah you know yeah because even though i had lived away from home they knew they had that pull on me yeah and and i you know i had to explain it to them once we got married that they I wouldn't be coming home as often I used to go home every other week yeah and I was like I won't be coming home that often firstly because I can't afford it and secondly I'm married now Mm. I've got to spend time with my husband yeah you know um and I have other responsibilities I have a new family and they have events and they have family friends and extended family and I need to be amongst all of that so when things are happening in my family I can't make it for every single event because now I have to weigh it up and I have to be, I have to try and get that balance right. So I did miss out on some, some of our family get togethers because we were having family get togethers here, Yeah, you know? And so you do, you do what you have to do because, you know, that's my family as well. And I wanted to get to know everybody. Yeah. And so I was trying to make the effort and now like, you know, like I will go to our London family get togethers and not feel like I'm doing it because I'm making an effort, but because I want to be there and because yeah, yeah, I should be there because I'm family. Yeah. And, and it totally works both ways as well. Yeah. Um, you know, from, from my side and, you know, the, in terms of the dynamics with my mom and dad, um, you know, I, I always felt for a very, very long time that even though I was like coming into like my thirties, I was still felt like I was a child of that household, you know, and I was always treated almost in that way. And I feel that, also echoes the sentiments for a lot of guys that are, were still living with their parents up until when they got married, um, you know, it, it, in whichever age from their 20s all the way down to their 40s sometimes, that you still always looked at as a, the child uh, and treated that way accordingly. I'm not saying that that's not how I get treated every time I go back to my parents. Yeah. But I think... Spoiled child. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like getting married and then and then moving out and setting myself up and having a home and starting my own family has almost changed, you know, the way I am with my parents um, in, you know, and I think in, it's just a natural progression, mm. whereas they now see me as you know, my own entity with my own family. That's yeah. very much a part of theirs. Yeah. But there's not that kind of dependency yes. where, which, which which was always so evident through most of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think now going forward, um, we're at a stage now, thankfully that, you know, our both our parents are in relatively okay health, even though touch yeah, wood, touch wood. Touch wood. Um, but there will be a point in time where you know the 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 thought process of care um will will start to become a you know a conversation yeah and that's when we'll really have to think and very deeply about how things are going to work because i feel one of the big things we especially with our community is how we look after our elders you know all the way to the end sometimes yeah. it's um it's not possible um you know because of umpteen number of different factors 
and so you have to then look to get external help etc um but you know i know you know from my own perspective my bar lived with us all the way right till you know her her last day um and i was extremely close to her um and you know i always kind of feel now that going forward you know how is that going to work with both of our sets of parents and you know we have to look at these things and how it's going to potentially work yeah there are multiple siblings involved as well so yeah. it's a conversation that we'll all have to have with each other yeah at some point um it's hard you know my mom's had health problems she has had both her knees replaced and I've gone home for both of those operations she had breast cancer and I went home when she was op- when she had her operation for that mm. um and it's it's difficult being away from home and and I think it's you know like it's one of those things where you you the pull is obviously for me to be at home with my mom and my dad at those times but knowing now that it's not gonna. It's it's not possible, and it's gonna get even harder when Bub starts going to uh, going to school. Yeah, it will be almost impossible for me to go home. Yeah. for long periods of time, except you know during the the school holidays. Yeah, and so when there are issues like that, we'll have to really try and manage these things and see how I can see my family still, see my yeah. parents still, but then also make sure that my son's okay. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and getting what he needs from me and trying to keep his life as normal as possible through various things that will come our way when as as we get older and as our parents get older. Yeah, a lot of lot of um yeah, difficult decisions are still, you know, on on their way um for us and and so many other households um you know going through the same thing. It's it comes back down to that whole, you know, expectancy and what the two different sides expect i guess from each other um i'll tell you what will be difficult though is if we end up living with your mom and dad again your mom and dad hate my cooking they totally do they hate it and so we'll have to get pizza every night (laughs) (laughs) to keep them happy they really don't want to eat my food yeah i I kind of always i always find it quite quite surprising they're very obviously set in their ways and in terms of um you know the food that they make and the food that they eat and it's very um, different Gujarati and Punjabi cooking is very different yeah of course and my cooking my Punjabi cooking is not to their taste which no. really upset me and I think this is one of the things that like so you get married and you go into a household whether you live with the family or not but you try and make an effort and you try and you know have them around for dinner and all that kind of stuff I was like brought up having you know we'd always have week every weekend there was a get together when I was when I was growing up yeah. you know with the extended family or with family friends and stuff and all the kids would be running around and the adults would be you know the women would be gossiping in one room and the men would be drinking another it was really fun times and i was like i really want that i want to have family times and you know sit around and chat and i love it when we go to your mom and dad's house because we just sit there and we'll chat and and it's so much fun like we have so much fun when we all get together at your mom and dad's house and just chit-chatting about nonsense Hmm. and then realizing that they hate my food and that they won't come around <laughs> here to eat and I was like oh and it really yeah. upset me and for some people that would have been like right well fuck them then do you know what I mean like yeah, yeah. I, they don't want to eat my food and fuck them I don't want anything to do with them I've never done anything wrong to them and I could have gone into that mindset because I was quite upset but then I just thought do you know what actually rather than fuck them 
fuck it. Like, if they don't want to eat my food, that is, my life is much simpler. Mm. I can still get on with them. Mum can cook or we can get takeout. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. It's all good with me. I don't mind. <laughs> and so yeah. now I don't have to do any cooking. Yes, it's a win-win, I guess, uh, all around uh, <laughs> that way. Um, th- that's the thing. There, there's so many, there's going to, you can't live in a world where everything is so unbelievably be heart like people who say oh we're in total harmony in our household everything's beautiful everything's amazing nice that's the thing we, we don't know really what's happening behind closed doors and no one wants to air their dirty dinner out in public and they're always there's always going to be issues and there's always going to be problems and you deal with them within the space of like your four walls you know this is like obviously it's a it's a, an issue obviously but we do but it's not it. not for me anymore because no, exactly. i don't care anymore i That's did it thing. first because i wanted to be the good daughter-in-law and i was gonna do this and i was gonna do that and i was gonna be you know the heaven-sent angel that they needed if you want and i'm like heaven- no do you know what i'm not i'm not that person i'm not heaven sent for anyone mm. and so i am who i am and if you don't want to eat my food don't eat it it's fine yeah, exactly, yeah. it's okay my husband eats it my son loves it so it's fine i enjoy my food oh, that's all that counts yeah i guess yeah, it's 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 very very difficult, um, you know, because trying to, like you said, trying to be the do- the the doting uh, daughter-in-law uh, in 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 any household and stuff uh, could sometimes backfire on you as well. At the same time, people who go over and beyond the call of duty to be this like angelic uh, figure within the house, uh, and then realize very very late on that actually this is not the person I really am. Yeah, um, you can't keep up. Um, you can't keep up with false pretenses. You can't keep a mask on forever. Yeah, uh, it will slip. Yes, and so if you've built yourself up and put yourself on a pedestal in everyone's eyes, and then you let it slip, you will become that woman. Yeah, of course. Or well. that guy. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to be that woman or that man. You don't want to be that person. You just be yourself as much as you can be. Be a nicer version of yourself for a little while, a more respectful version while you're learning and you're all getting to know each other. Like you would if you were dating someone, you just done your best behavior. Hmm. And then slowly, slowly introduce them to the more relaxed version of you. Yeah, exactly. But always with respect. That's the thing. It's that respect, respect factor that works both ways. Um, You know, because I I think we're of that generation where, you know, especially in the 80s and the 90s, there was a, a a big thing with our communities where, you know, the girls of today, the, the modern girls, they don't respect uh, our elders. They don't respect. They're they're always out and about, basically, you know, socially. <laughs> they're drinking and smoking and drugging. This is what and, I used to and, hear all the time. No, yeah. absolutely. And so that's why so many of them got married to girls and guys from India. Um, mm. You know, and you know, in that mindset that they're going to come here and be that dutiful son-in-law and be that dutiful daughter-in-law. Which is so wrong. That mentality is so wrong. Yeah, that they're going to come here and basically, I know from my, from like speaking to my dad and stuff like that and his whole family, all the daughter-in-laws in India and stuff, they still all do like ludge where they have to like cover their heads when the elders walk into the house and they literally sat down and they're straight in the kitchen doing these kind of things and stuff. And I think everyone goes into that mindset that that's what it's going to be like to get a, a married to a girl 
uh, get their son or their daughter married to a girl or a guy from India that's going to come over here and do that for them here. And touch their feet, do belly hut every day, every morning. This is what I'm saying. And, you know, like it's, and they, you know, you live in that kind of cloud cuckoo land mentality. Um, and so many of them have got, so many of them have got burnt, yeah. you know, because of it. Because um, people are people and there's good people and there's bad people. That's over there and it's over here as well. Exactly. And so you can't kind of just get a mail order bride or a mail order husband yeah. and groom um, and then expect them to be good people necessarily because they might not be. They yeah. might not come from good places. You know, I know, <laughs> I know someone, this is fucking awful, that she got married over here this, uh, to somebody I know and then was like doing some kind of weird black magic jadu thing on this person that I know to try and get him to move away from his family to move to closer to her some extended family that she's had you know somewhere else in this country right. because she didn't want to live with the the family that I knew Please. she was doing and he only he overheard it on the phone he she was on on a call to this relative that she was trying to move near to and um he picked up the phone to call someone else from another room and overheard the conversation yeah. and carried on listening for a little while because he was like, this sounds dodge. And then found out. And I was like, what the actual fuck? This happens in this day and age. This was like 10 that years ago. Nuts. This happens. That is nuts. Yeah. I, think, I feel like we can almost do a whole show on on, the, on those kind of marriages because everyone that I've heard from that time period um, getting married to, to people from India has just... It's either gone one of two ways. It's either very, very positive or it's extremely negative. There's no like gray area. Yeah. You know, and there's, so there's a lot of like horror stories and stuff that have occurred from but, it. I mean, we we could reel off a whole fucking list of bad stories that we've heard between yeah, totally, us. Totally. And it's not to say that all the people that have come over from there have been bad because they haven't. Mm. You only ever hear the bad stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's the because when, when it's good, people just get on with their lives. Yeah, exactly. But it's the notion that they could they could get a better version of a person yeah, exactly. from over there than here because they have all the morals. And they didn't realise, our families didn't realise that India's moved on exactly, beyond exactly. where they left it. <laughs> Back in the 60s and yeah, the 70s. Yeah, because they think that that's what it's still like. And then even when they go on holiday there, they don't really pay any attention to what's going on in wider India, Indian society mm. and how things have changed. Yeah. And things have really fucking changed over there and they they aren't going to come over here and be subservient and you know make your roti and polish your shoes yeah like a servant because why should they absolutely yeah well this this is the thing i think it all i, I want to keep going back to that same point it's all about expectancy and what do you expect if you can't you can't it's you can't go into it with no expectations because mm. it's it's too much of a massive factor for not only like your your marriage and and your relationship with your in-laws and stuff but this is this is the rest of your life you know everyone talks about like you know you 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 go you go in to get married and stuff and you go into it with the ideal thought process that this is going to be for the rest of your life yeah you know it's sometimes it doesn't work out etc you know and then you go shit through happens, that yeah. yeah shit happens you go through that process accordingly but generally you know you you get married to someone with the ideal that this is going to be for the rest of your life mm. and so you know when you it's and with our communities you know being connected to family is very very important and so the expectancy i guess from both sides is 
is respect um and you know be in a position where you're able to i don't like to use the word compromise but you almost have to basically readapt yourself into another environment and allow mm -hmm. yourself to be able to do that you know we've we come from a place where you've lived a certain way for so long sons and daughters you know and mixing now as son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws is such it's such a massively different change but you've got to allow yourself to go into it with a much more open mind and not have the restrictions that you've had thinking that i've lived a certain life one way and this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life um and and i think from our parents generation obviously it's it's so difficult for them to 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 alter that because they've been so set in their ways mm. um and the ones that have been very rigid with it you've seen a lot of issues and problems with their respective sons and daughter-in-laws when they enter that household yeah and the ones that have been able to be a bit more open-minded and adapt that much more has led to a much more harmonious environment and i think that is now absolutely changing we don't have that same um mindset where a girl comes into the house is literally like you know, made in that household like it was yeah. in the 80s and the, and the early 90s as such. And even in the noughties. And even in the, yeah, even as far as that, people still went into it with that same mindset. But, you know, we, we're coming to a point in our life where, you know, the, the dynamic is so much more different. And I'd like to hope that, you know, the next generation of, of boys and girls getting married and, and moving into their respective families, whether that's in the same household or, you know, um, having their own home and still being very closely connected to the family that we don't have those you know that old school mentality of of how they treat the daughter-in-laws and the way they they they're handled in that house and stuff and the, and sometimes the same way with the sons and the son-in-laws as well at the same time you know i think it's uh, as we've said many many times it's about respect and i think the the conversations that a bride and a groom or prospective bride and groom will have beforehand about what they expect from being married in terms of, you know, how are we going to bring up our children and how, you know, will you mind if I go out on my own or with my mates or whatever, all those kind of conversations that you have about how your dynamic will be when you're married. I think those conversations need to happen with families. Mm. And I think like, if it's going to continue where we are marrying the family and not just the person, the di things are changing so much now. People are more and more going off, finding their own partners, dating for a while, for a long time, and then deciding to get married. And, you know, there's smaller weddings. People are not having these big shindigs and stuff. Things are slowly starting to change. So I wonder if that dynamic will also change with the families. There's not necessarily that expectation of living with the family anymore because we're getting married older generally as well yeah. and so we've made money and you know quite often like i know a lo loads of girls now who've got their own houses yes. before marriage and so they've got the choice of either moving in into either one of those houses yeah, <laughs> potentially course, if course. their partner also has his own house and so everyone's very much more independent so i don't know if going forward we're going to have to deal with that kind of rigid thinking anymore like mm -hmm. that we used to and it's it's slowly petering out but we still need to think about respect and we still need to think about ultimately the person you marry and the values that they have will 
more than likely have come from their family. Yeah, of course, of course. And so you have to think when you're talking to your prospective partner about what you want from life together, what that means in terms of family as well. Yeah, totally. Because that conversation has to happen because like you say, you know, as you get older, your parents get older. And at some point you have to think about who's going to care for them and how they're going to be cared for. Mm. And if they want to be cared for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes they're just they're like, piss off and leave us alone. Exactly. Um, so that has to be factored in because mm. it's a thing that like, yes, it might be far off in the future and a million other factors may come into it in between, but you've got to have some kind of half a plan yeah, for yeah. everything. Like in terms of even with like, decide talking about having children and stuff you might decide that you don't want to have children or you might not be able to have children but you still have to have that initial conversation if if the possibility arises of us having children how do we want to bring them up Hmm. so if the possibility arises of us having two weddings on the same day from either side of the family how do we how do we manage this you know that kind of thing so i think there has to be a lot more conversation beforehand yeah of course yeah and it's got to be open and enough for both sides to be a little bit more malleable, I guess, in that way. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, I think if you love someone and they love their family, you're going to have to understand that their family comes with them. Yeah. And you might have to learn to love their family as well. Yeah. Grudgingly sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Grudgingly sometimes and willingly sometimes. Like, I love your family and I can't imagine not being part of this family they're not your family they're my family now as well yeah and you say that about my family and i think that's how it should be to an extent that's, <laughs> that's how it should be yeah, you know absolutely. like absolutely you, you marry each other you marry each other's families and hopefully those families are good families that you want to be part of and you want to love and that you show each other respect yeah no of course you know and sometimes you know it it you know, people do get married in love and they do get married and the families are not necessarily a part of that, you know, their process. And that's absolutely fine as well. You yeah. know, it's, you know, it's each to their own, you know, but... Have each other's backs. Exactly. Partners have each other's backs. Yeah. Through thick and thin. And also point out where things are wrong. Like you. Not just in general. Yeah, you're just always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Thanks. Thanks well, very much. That is it. <laughs> Ended it on a, an extremely positive note. Um, <laughs> from this week on the Native Immigrants, we're going to be back next week with a special guest interview, Ooh. which you'll hear about on next week's show. Yes. So until then, I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. See ya.